Welcome to Trialer Talk. I'm Scott Glovsky, and I'm your host for this podcast where we speak with some of the best trial lawyers in the country. Today we've got a special treat. We're going to do something different. We've got Randall Sokoloff with us. Randall spent 10 years as a clinical psychotherapist and is now a mindfulness meditation counselor, teacher, writer, and great thinker. Randall works out of his studio in Claremont, California called Wake Up and has tremendous insight into tools that we can use to become more present inside the courtroom and outside the courtroom. So let's get started. I'm very happy and grateful to be sitting with a wonderful man who is wise and thoughtful and a great teacher. I'm sitting with Randall Sokoloff. Randall is a writer, a mindfulness-based therapist, and the lead meditation teacher at Wake Up Studio in Claremont, California. Randall, thanks for being with us. Hi, you're welcome, Scott. Randall, lawyers deal with fear, anxiety, feeling out of control. Have you ever felt any of those things? Uh this morning. Say more. I think that that's a normal part of the, that's, that's a, a normal part of human existence to feel that way. Um, some of us are better than others at distracting ourselves from that experience, but I think it's a pretty normal experience and certain jobs Certain things that we do in life uh, can trigger it more. Certain things that happen to us, um, it can be it can be um, exemplified. It can be it can be brought out more. But I think that feeling of being helpless, out of control, afraid, is a fundamental aspect of the human condition. How can mindfulness help with that? Well, mindfulness has uh, greatly helped me with that. Um, But in a nutshell, mindfulness is basically the practice of learning self-regulation, learning how to uh, kind of control one's own inner state, learning how to be present with what is happening in the moment. And through the practice of of mindfulness, we uh, gradually become more skilled at dealing with difficult emotions, difficult feelings. You mentioned that mindfulness has helped you with these feelings of fear or anxiety or powerlessness. How so? Tell me a story. Hmm. So many to choose from. Uh, what would should I? Let's see. Well, you know, I I teach mindfulness classes quite regularly. I work with people. You know, as a mindfulness counselor, I work with people all day who are uh, we're discussing some very uh, triggering subject matter. You know. And when I teach mindfulness, I'm in front of a group of people talking about potentially triggering subject matter. And so mindfulness really, there's no way without mindfulness that I I could do this. There's just no way I'd have to be on medication or continually drunk. Um, So mindfulness allows me to stay present 
despite feelings of discomfort in my body and in my mind. Um, so, for example, if I'm sitting with a client and, and I'm talking about um, death or divorce or illness or surgery or bankruptcy, you know, and a variety of triggering subject matter, you know, I, I am skilled enough now that I can trust myself to not freak out. So mindfulness has given me the, the um, resiliency within myself to hang in there, to not react or lose control. Like I, I trust in my ability to navigate my way through stress difficult situation so when I'm sitting with somebody and I'm talking about something that's scary or triggering for me I, I have this inherent sense that I'm going to be okay and how did mindfulness excuse me mindfulness help you with that it gave me a method to control my madness let's get into that <laughs> Can you take us through a meditation so that we can feel what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. We we can I think it's a you know, we can talk theoretically about riding a bike, but until you get on that bike and ride it, it's really hard to understand it experientially. And I think especially with attorneys, you know, and, and, and many of us, we spend all of our time uh, in thought. We're in a very conceptual place. We intellectualize. We're conceptualizing our way through life. Whereas with mindfulness practice, it's about switching out of that and coming more into the experiential, right? The experiential meaning your physical experience in the present moment, your sensory experience in the present moment, and being with that rather than ignoring that and just being in the conceptual. Because the root of suffering, the root of anxiety, the root of maybe not fear, but the, the, the root of suffering is, stems from thought. Thought, thinking is the culprit. So if we if we want to uh, minimize our suffering, or or be in a better place, it's it's vital that we're able to bring ourselves out of that state. So with mindfulness meditation, that's what that's what we're practicing. Just switching out of the conceptual and coming more into the experiential which then, over time, creates, we experience less suffering in our lives. Right? It's not that we have less pain. Pain is inevitable. We're in a physical body. We're going to experience pain in many forms, emotionally, physically. But we don't have to suffer. Suffering is self-inflicted. We're doing it to ourselves. Right? So mindfulness is kind of a practice of learning how to not inflict suffering on yourself. So when we do a meditation, that that's what we're practicing. So just to kind of set it up that way. So take us through a meditation. Sure. Uh, how long would you like it to be? You got. You can choose from five minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, an hour, five hours. <laughs> it's up to you. Well, let's let's do somewhere between three minutes, five minutes, five minutes, and five minutes and ten minutes, whatever. Five minutes and t okay, but your listeners have to be willing to do it. They have to be willing to give it a shot. Look, if I or my listeners are not willing to give it a shot, we're all wasting our time. So. Our listeners are listening because they want to be here and be present and learn from you. 
and if they don't, I guess they could just fast forward through this part. Well, our, our listeners are actually very, uh, very present and very interested in learning and growing. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. Those are uh, fundamental qualities needed for well-being. <laughs> yeah. If we don't have the interest in growing and learning, it's, it's just continual chaos. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's let's do it. If you could, if you can, just find a comfortable position if you're sitting in a chair to just become comfortable and and see if you can just have both of your feet flat on the ground and you can have your hands on your lap and you want to straighten your spine and you want to kind of open your chest up open your heart there's nothing to fear in this moment everything's okay you can open up a little bit and see if for the next couple minutes you can give yourself permission to do nothing. This is a do-nothing practice. And ironically, doing nothing in our society can be one of the more difficult things for people to do. So see if you can just give yourself permission to do nothing for five minutes. You're not trying to solve any problems. You're not seeing yourself as a mistake that needs to be fixed. You're just present with yourself as you are in this moment. That's it. And so see if you can close your eyes. And Thich Nhat Hanh calls it finding your seat. See if you can find your seat within yourself. That's another way of saying Begin the process of becoming more grounded, more rooted in the here and now. You can do this by just noticing how you're feeling right now. Notice if you feel restless, anxious, calm, angry, joyful, depressed, sick, healthy. Just notice where you're at. And see if you can be willing to be honest with yourself about where you're at in this moment. Everything is impermanent. This will pass. There's no need to judge it or try and ignore it or push it away. Just notice how you're feeling. And then see if you can just let it be here. And just bring your attention to your breath. Noticing your breath as it moves in through your nose and back out through your nose. It may take a few moments to become more acquainted with your breath. But just notice your breath as it moves in through your nose and back out through your nose. You're not forcing your breath. You're not trying to control your breathing. You're just noticing your breath in the same way that you would notice waves in the ocean. Just noticing your breath moving in through your nose and back out through your nose. When you breathe in, noticing your chest expand. When you breathe out, notice how your chest contracts. And see if you can really practice, really train in keeping your focus on this movement of your breathing in the same way as if you were aiming at a target, you would be focused on the target. See if your breathing can be your target. Noticing that you're breathing in, noticing that you're breathing out. And your mind might be very active, generating all kinds of thoughts you may notice that your mind is very busy. It's often called the wandering mind. This is okay. This is normal. But see if any time you notice that you get caught up in thoughts, any time your mind wanders off with your attention, 
Just bring your attention back to your breathing very gently, very non-judgmentally. Just noticing once again that you're breathing in and breathing out. And see if you can just let your thoughts move through your awareness. You're not trying to stop thinking, but you're just aware of thinking. As you notice that you're breathing in through your nose, you notice that you're breathing back out through your nose. Wow, look at all these thoughts. My mind's really busy. But just continuing to breathe in, continuing to breathe out. See if you can be aware of your feet touching the ground. Notice your body making contact with whatever you're sitting on. Notice if your palms are sweaty, dry, moist. See if you can notice your top lip resting on your bottom lip. Notice if your lips are dry or moist. Maybe you can feel the material of your clothes touching your skin. Just being present with the experience that you're having in this moment without judgment, without needing to escape from it. Just being present with what is actually happening now. Maybe you can feel your shoes on your feet. Maybe you can notice if your hands are cold, warm, hot. Can you feel any tingling sensations anywhere in your body? Maybe your feet, maybe your hands. Can you notice if there's anywhere in your body that feels tight or constricted? Maybe your chest, your abdomen, your neck area. Just noticing these various sensations that are happening in this moment and just being present with them as you would be present with a friend. Everything's impermanent. These sensations will pass. There's no need to react to them. Just let them be here, welcome them in. As you continue to notice your breath moving in through your nose and back out through your nose. And as you continue to be aware of all these thoughts moving through your mind. And if you notice that you start thinking about something, you get caught up in a thought, thinking about the past, you're thinking about the future, you're time traveling. Just become aware of it and make a mental note to yourself. Oop, there I go thinking. And then very gently, just bring your attention back to your breathing. Back to noticing your feet on the ground. Back to noticing your top lip resting on your bottom lip. Just bringing your attention back to the experience that you're having in this moment rather than being preoccupied with 10 minutes from now or 10 minutes ago, just be here, present with your life as it is in this moment. Nothing to fix, nothing to solve, nothing to do. Just present with life as it is in this moment. The only moment that ever really is. The future and the past is always just a thought. But the present moment is where we can find our lives. So just noticing what it feels like to be alive in this moment. As you notice that you're breathing in through your nose, notice that you're breathing back out through your nose. Can you notice any sounds that you're hearing right now? Sounds are always present. Sounds are always happening in the present moment, never in the future or in the past. So becoming aware of sounds is a good way to ground yourself in the present moment. Just notice any sounds that you hear inside of the room that you're in or the car that you're in. Notice sounds that are happening outside 
just aware of sounds entering your ears as you breathe in and breathe out. And remain aware of all these different thoughts moving through your awareness. But you're no longer identified with these thoughts. You're no longer taking them so seriously. But instead you're putting more value on being present with your life as it is now. And just letting your thoughts move through your mind like clouds moving across the blue sky. The blue sky isn't affected by the clouds that move across it. The blue sky just lets the clouds and the birds and the airplanes just move across it without getting perturbed. So see if you can do the same thing. Just allowing these sounds, these sensations, the movement of your breathing, the thoughts that you're having, Just let all of this move through your awareness as you continue to notice that you're breathing in, breathing out, unperturbed by whatever it is that you're experiencing in this moment, unaffected, but instead just present. Letting whatever it is that you're experiencing in this moment be here. No resistance. Not trying to change anything. Just present. Noticing your feet touching the ground. Your body being supported by whatever you're sitting on your clothes touching your skin, and your breath moving in through your nose, back out through your nose. And if you get caught up in a thought, just become aware that you are thinking. Oh, there I go again, thinking. Thinking about something in the future. And then just bring your attention back to your breath. Letting the thought go. Just present with your life as it is in this moment. And in this moment, you may notice that everything's okay. That you're okay. Just one final time, if you notice that you've gotten caught up in a thought, just notice, become aware of it. Make a mental note to yourself. Oh, there you go, thinking. Don't need to do that right now. Just let the thought go by very gently bringing your attention back to your breathing. Noticing that you're breathing in and your chest is expanding. Noticing that you're breathing out and your chest is contracting. Notice how the moment you bring your attention back to the breath, the thought will dissolve. And then whenever you feel ready, please take whatever time you need. But when you feel ready, feel free to end this meditation by opening your eyes and bringing your attention back into the room.
And once you do have your eyes open, see if you can just take a moment. Notice. How do you feel now? Anything shift internally for you? Maybe you feel a little calmer. Maybe you feel like you've created a little bit more homeostasis for yourself internally. Maybe there's a little less anxiety. Just notice. Notice if anything has changed in your experience. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But just notice. very powerful and I'm resonating towards the feeling of calm and present being present can you talk about the connection between being calm and present as an individual with connecting with other people. Hmm. And the reason I ask this question is that when I've been in your meditation classes, in this moment, coming out of a meditation, I'm calm and present and feel very connected to you and to the other people in the group. And tell me a little bit about the connection we feel or that we can get through the feeling we have right now. Yeah, it can be very, very powerful, very different than, than um, meditating on your own. It's interesting in meditation classes how there'll be lots of people in the room and then um, you'll get to this point where it's just, it's just like this feeling of uh, stillness and, and quiet. But yet all these people are present. And it's almost, it's like a symphony, right? Like every person is, is vibing off of the other person. And it's a really interesting experience. And, and as a meditation teacher, you know, I know that my inner state is crucial for the cultivation of whatever state the group will enter. So it's really important that, I mean, I notice that when I've been leading meditations, if I've been anxious, uh, it affects the symphony. Um, and, but I also notice that when I've been anxious, and I have been anxious when I'm leading guided meditations, uh, plenty. Um, I notice that when the, 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 the group, when they get into a very present, calm state, all of a sudden I'm in a present, calm state. We're resonating and and I think that that's that's what we do as human beings. We resonate off of one another, um, and so I think that you know that's why meditation classes are so important and, and so powerful. Because where else do you have that experience in our society? As trial lawyers, we strive for connection. When we're standing in front of a jury, mm-hmm. if we're anxious, yeah. they're going to, the, the same laws apply. Yeah. And the, the more present we can be through the tools of meditation or for whatever reason, yeah. um, but we're here, of course, to focus on these tools uh, that matters for authenticity for connection, for credibility. Yeah. How do we get there? 
because as lawyers, we prepare and prepare and we show up in court and all of a sudden the judge says, you're on. <laughs> and we have to perform. And I've heard you talk about how meditation is building muscles, sort of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you notice how when you practiced this meditation, um, maybe you brought your attention back to your breathing 10 times, 20 times and during the course of the meditation? You, you may have become aware that you've, you wandered off and then you bring your attention back to your breathing. Uh, there's a saying that if you notice that your mind has wandered a thousand times, uh, bring it back a thousand and one times. And it's through that continual bringing your attention back, noticing that you have wandered off, noticing that you're lost in thought, and then bring, being able to bring your attention back to the breath, even a thousand times in a day. You're gradually building new neural pathways in your brain. Right? When you do that, you're, you're very gradually restructuring your brain. You're changing or altering your perceptual apparatus. So whereas you are normally used to being lost in thought, every time you bring your attention, every time you catch that you're lost in thought, and then you bring your attention back to your breathing, you're changing your perception of reality. And as a result of that, you actually ch change the neuronal structures in your brain. You know, it's that whole idea of neuroplasticity. The, the brain isn't this um, solid mass doomed, doomed to uh, steady decay. The, the, the brain is actually plastic and can change and restructure itself if we choose to perceive things in a new way. So that's why with mindfulness, the more you bring your attention back to the breath, and the reason why the breath is the central focus, there's lots of forms of meditation, there's different uh, objects of focus. But with mindfulness, the reason why the breath is the object of focus is because the breath is always happening in the now. The breath is never in the future, it's never in the past. The breath is always now. So every time you bring your attention back to your breathing, you are perceiving the now. So the more that you can bring your attention back to your breathing, the more your perception changes. And it's that continual bringing your attention back to your breathing all throughout the day, or as you're standing in front of a jury, or you're standing in front of a judge, being able to remember to come back to the breath. That is how you build this particular muscle, like lifting a weight. The repetitions that you do when you lift the weight to gradually build a muscle. That's a metaphor for in mindfulness. It's the continual bringing of your tension back to your breathing that builds this muscle. And the more you do it, like I don't think about coming back to my breathing. I'm just innately aware of my breathing. As I walk down the street, if you ask me if I'm breathing in or I'm breathing out, I'll be able to tell you. But I wasn't always that way. I, I was far from it. But it goes from being a practice to becoming a trait. So that's why practice is so crucial with mindfulness. The more we practice, the more the practice just becomes automatic. So you'll be standing in front of a judge, you'll be standing in front of a jury, you'll be nervous, you'll be stressed out, but you'll just automatically be focused on the breath, which is going to help to ground you more. It's not that there's going to be the absence of anxiety. It's just like when you fly on an airplane, there's not going to be the absence of turbulence. But the more you fly on an airplane, the more you know that the turbulence isn't a big deal. Same with the breath. 
you'll still have the anxiety as you stand there in front of a jury or a judge or a courtroom filled with people. But the anxiety won't be such a big deal. You'll be able to manage it. And then once you're able to feel like you can manage the anxiety, the anxiety keeps us from being able to be authentically ourselves. The anxiety is what is getting in the way. So once we're able to feel like we can handle the anxiety, we can be more ourselves. So hopefully that answers your question. So what roadmap do you have for those of us that do not know much about meditation? Um, Give us a roadmap for how we can start to build these muscles. A roadmap? You mean mean like how to go about cultivating this practice? Yeah. In other words, should we spend five minutes a day? Should we go out and buy a meditation pillow? Give us the, the how to start to meaningfully meditate for dummies. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it was a very rocky road for myself. It was definitely a rough start. Um, but what's important is that you, you just start by not having any expectations of what it should be. Um, that when you start meditating and yeah, if you could sit, if you, if you could do this for five minutes a day, that would be great. If you could do it for one minute a day before you get out of your car and go into work, if you could just pause for one minute, don't make a, and you were able to do that every day. Don't make a drastic difference. Right. it's, it's a delayed gratification over the instant gratification of just getting out of your car and going to do what you got to do. If you could just take one minute and just focus on your breath and be present, over time that one minute really will add up and create change at very subtle levels and not so subtle levels. So even if you could just start with one minute, I mean, ideally if you could start with five minutes every day, whenever, Whenever you get to it, get an app on your phone, a meditation timer, they're free. Set it for five minutes and then just practice following your breathing. And then the timer will go off and you go back to work. If if a person could do that five times a week, six times a week, make a radical difference in their anxiety levels. You won't need medication over time. Um, but what's important is when you start practicing to not have any expectation, to not come to the practice with, I need to feel a certain way. Uh, One of my teachers uh, said that, you know, the quickest way to quit meditation practice is to have an expectation. Because if you expect meditation to give you certain results, and say you practice every day for a month, and then in a month you're still feeling anxious or depressed or stressed out, you're going to quit. Ah, this doesn't work. This is crap. I give up. Meditation is slow medicine. It's important to really stay with it. And it's, it's a kind of delayed gratification, which we're not used to in our society. It does, meditation does make some more immediate differences, but the benefit is gradual. The ultimate benefit is gradual, and it's important to stay with the practice. And the way to do that is to not have any expectations, to let this be the one thing that you do in your life without any expectation, to just let it be. What is your goal in living? What do you look forward to doing or trying to do every day? Hmm. That's a um, 
complicated, very good question. Uh, ultimately, right, there's the superficial things that I want to accomplish. But ultimately, I want to be free of suffering. I have a friend. Uh, you know, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And sometimes we would go out and we'd be in a bar or walking down a street and he would he would tap me on the shoulder and he'd be, hey man, if you die now, are you okay? And I would say, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not ready. No, absolutely not. And he would shake his head and just be like, still got work to do, man. So I think that ultimately... My ultimate goal and the reason, you know, why I practice and why I teach is so that I can, it's, it's only when we no longer fear dying that we can be at peace. And so I think that that's been a big fear of mine all of my life. So for me, I'm really trying to be at peace. And that's a, a practice. That's, a, that's my, uh, every day, that's my fundamental goal is to be at peace, to be free of anxiety, worry, depression, distress. And I just want to clarify that I don't expect that I'm not going to experience anxiety or depression or stress. By being free of it, what I mean is that it's all good. I accept what is. It's okay. If I'm anxious, I'm anxious. If I'm depressed, I'm depressed. If I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It's okay. Let go. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. Oh. Well, I'm very appreciative for the gifts that you've given me. What do you think that, what have you gotten out of our work together? Well, calmness, a peacefulness, a reset. A kind of sense of grounding and you've led me to a daily five-minute meditation practice that has made me more calm more safe more feeling secure and comfortable and I take that when I go into court when I fear I feel my anxiety growing when it's time for me to stand up and give my opening statement or deal with an issue and I focus on the breath and That's it's great and it's a wonderful wonderful tool that I'm, I'm still learning you, I mean I'm, I'm a beginner you didn't do that before no Oh, so this is a, a new way of operating? Yeah, I, I, I've had strategies to deal with stress, but the meditation practice has been uh, extremely profound in taking me to the next level. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that I mean, I've def since you first walked into the meditation studio, um, I have I've noticed a change in your energy and in your sitting practice. It's definitely different. It's definitely noticeable. Um, and, and and I think that that with mindfulness, like the the, the most important aspect of this practice, which is very antithetical to how we normally live our lives is that it's it's a, f a fundamental 
precept or philosophy of mindfulness practices, non-striving. Say more. Non-striving, like, and you'd be you you you'd be amazed how much striving there can be within non-striving, right? When people are practicing non-striving and they're really trying hard not to strive, <laughs> it's just, it can feel chaotic. But ultimately, with with meditation practice or mindfulness practice, it's a practice of of non-striving. Nothing to accomplish. No, you're not a mistake to be fixed. You're not a problem to be solved. You're not striving to do anything. You're just present with what is. And the irony is that that changes everything. You see, you know, what's that saying? That which we resist persists. So the moment we stop resisting what is, it goes away. So to, you know, the example of a, a courtroom or when I teach meditation classes, this morning I did a 30-minute silent meditation class. And in the beginning of it, when we started, I felt, you know, I had coffee and I was doing things all morning. And then all of a sudden I sit and there's the anxiety. And then there's the thought, oh gosh, I have to sit here for 30 minutes with this. <laughs> what if I like have to get up and leave the room? I'm the meditation teacher. And then there's the images of me running out of the room in a panic. And then that just elevates my heart rate. And it's like <laughs> this feedback loop, which is very uncomfortable. <laughs> but with non-striving... I've just gotten better at sitting there with all of that and not resisting it and knowing that it's impermanent, it will pass. And it always does. 20 years ago when I was suffering from you know terrible panic attacks and horrible anxiety disorders, uh, I would freak out because I was resisting it. I was trying to fix it or felt like it shouldn't be there. I wasn't letting it in. I was afraid of it. I was pushing it away. I was drinking it away. I was Xanaxing it away. I was doing whatever I could to like push it away. I was striving. So if you stand up in front of a courtroom in front of a judge or a jury and you're feeling anxious and you're, you're you know, really trying hard to have it not be there, that's hell. The cure is to let it in. Know that it's there and welcome it in the same way that you would welcome a friend into your house. And then it passes. It's the craziest thing, but that's what we're practicing when we practice. Just, you know, when you just sit for five minutes and you follow your breathing, that's what you're practicing. You're practicing not striving to change anything, letting in whatever is present. And then gradually you become more confident in your ability to handle the house guests. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. And in closing, what resources would you suggest for our listeners, be it a podcast, a book, where can people go to get more information? On, on mindfulness. Well, I trained with John Kabat-Zinn, and he is the, the man responsible for bringing mindfulness to the West, really starting mindfulness in, in, in this country. Uh, he wrote two really great books. One's called Full Catastrophe Living, which is a great one. For I highly recommend that one. Another one is called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And he also started, some of your listeners might have heard of mindfulness-based stress reduction, but I highly recommend taking a mindfulness-based stress reduction class. It can I mean, change my life when I initially did it. It is, uh, I believe it's eight weeks. 
um, just on the weekends. You can do them online now. So I would highly recommend doing an MBSR class, reading John Kabat-Zinn's book or books. Also, Sam Harris, who is one of our foremost American intellectuals, also happens to be a meditator. And he wrote a great book on mindfulness called Wake Up. Uh, he's a fantastic writer, so that's a really good read. Um, and so, yeah, I would recommend starting starting with those four things. And needless to say for our listeners, but if you're ever in the area of Claremont, yeah, California, yeah, the Wake Up Studio that Randall runs is a, truly a spectacular and special place. Randall? Thank you. Do you do you mind if I just finish this podcast? I want to read a little passage. I think it's good for closing. Please. I think attorneys would, would appreciate it. Please. It's a, from a very small book that I highly recommend called The Art of Stillness by Pico Iyer. And he's a great, he's a journalist and a writer. Uh, I thought I'd finish with this passage. And by nowhere, he just means right here. Nowhere means nowhere to go, nothing to do, just here. In an age of speed, I began to think nothing could be more invigorating more invigorating than going slow. In an age of distraction, nothing can feel more luxurious than paying attention. And in an age of constant movement, nothing more is urgent than sitting still. You can go on vacation to Paris or Hawaii or New Orleans three months from now, and you'll have a tremendous time, I'm sure. But if you want to come back feeling new, alive and full of fresh hope and in love with the world, I think the place to visit may be nowhere. That's beautiful. Thank you. Randall, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining us today for Trial Lawyer Talk. If you like the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a good review on iTunes, and I'd love to get your feedback. You can reach me at www.scottglovsky.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-G-L-O-V-S-K-Y.com. And I'd love to hear your feedback. You can also check out the book that I published called Fighting Health Insurance Denials, A Primer for Lawyers. That's on Amazon. I put the book together based on 20 years of suing health insurance companies for denying medical care to people, and it provides a general outline of how to fight health insurance denials. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you in the next episode.